0: Emotional management is a skill that you for sure can develop. And for me, um, being consistent uh, was a value that I had that I've seen, you know, the players I emulated.
1: All right, I'm here with the one and only Billy Allen. Billy, thanks so much for being here.
0: Aaron, thanks for having me. I hope this goes well. (laughs)
1: <laughs> billy you're a two-time AVP tour champion you're an author of three books you're a podcast co-host of coach your brains out and you're a husband and father and your instagram is at billy catch allen again Billy thanks so much for being here bro
0: yeah when you put that all together it actually sounds pretty good
1: <laughs> for sure so Billy uh let's just jump right into it what is living an inspired life mean to you
0: inspired life um I would say it's spending your day doing what's meaningful to you. I think, uh, you know, cutting out maybe some of the clutter and some of the uh, maybe expectations of what society or people tell you to do and just doing really diving into what you want to be doing. And I think that's, you know, different for everybody. Um, For me, that's not like a leisure thing where you're kind of just hanging out. It's really challenging yourself and, and improving at, you know, what's important to you.
1: Yeah. No, I love that so much. I, I, you know, and just watching you and competing against you over the years, you know, you've always had this kind of way to just do you, you know, I, I think that's part of, you know, staying inspired too. Would, would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, it's easy once you have an identity to kind of, it's a lot easier to like be if you're clear on who you are and your values to to be that right. And to be consistent, and you know, stand out a little bit. And uh, I don't know for whatever reason I've um, not given in that much to peer pressure, so I think uh, it's been a lot easier to be, you know, do what's important to me and have my own values when other people might say like, yeah, it's a waste of time or you know why don't you do this. It's just yeah, it's just been part of who I am and I've embraced it.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. Um, I want to jump right into mindset because, uh, you know, mindset is a big part of this project. This project is about tools for inspired living. And, you know, uh, before the show, I was telling you this is supposed to be or, or kind of geared towards the youth athlete, but it's kind of evolved into anyone who resonates with that message, really. Um, could you talk about mindset in terms of uh, champion mindset since you're a champion? What does champion mindset mean to you? Um...
0: I would say it's just about being your best, you know, it's, it's a, like, how do you reach your full potential? And for me, that comes to just really focusing on improving and not proving yourself. Right. It's not just trying to show, Hey, I'm good. Um, it's taking risks and looking bad and just really focusing on just growth. And, you know, for me, that's not a steady line. If you can tell from you you said I had two AVP wins and that's over a very, very, very long career. Um, so, but I think, you know, every year I get better and that's, that's, what's important to me.
1: Yeah, no, I love that mindset of just constant improvement. Um, let's specifically talk about winning for a second. You know, how does the champion mindset, you know, reflect in those, those two wins? I know you've had more wins too over the years, um, but just those two specific AVP wins, you know, how does the champion mindset, you know, um, kind of reflect in those wins?
0: Um, I would say what stood out for those wins. I mean, other than just, I was a better player at that point in my career um, is just full commitment to, for me, you know, beach volleyball, where I'd say the beginning of my career, it was a little bit of like, you know, testing the waters. Um, And then by the time I was, you know, at the point where I was getting to finals, it was just, I was fully committed. That was my identity. I was a professional volleyball player. And so, you know, my day revolved around that. I, I took risks. I, you know, had coaches. I paid for to travel all over. Um, had a lot to do with preparation. Uh, as a, you know, if you're just starting out on tour, you're competing against guys that full-time job, and you're such a disadvantage because of that. Um, and so, once you kind of just train like you are a pro, it becomes a lot easier and just have that mindset of this is who I am. This is what it's going to take to be my best and to be fully committed. So, like, you know, going into those tournaments, you've learned a lot more from experience, but at the same time, you're committed to doing all the little things like you're you know, preparing, you're scouting, you've, you know, practiced hard, you're in shape, like, just all that stuff, I would just say is uh, just full commitment to the task.
1: You know, I've actually played against you in a final. I don't know if you remember. It was a long time ago. Uh, it was a co-ed final. You and Janelle oh, got... Boy. Yeah, you, you you beat me and Natalie. Um, Nat, uh, Natalie Paredes. Uh, do you remember that? <laughs> Manhattan? Was that Manhattan?
0: I know... <laughs> i don't remember that specific i know like janelle and i have played in a lot of co-ed and so i would credit her as uh probably the what took us over the edge um but coed's a lot of fun and it's it's got its own challenges um but yeah we make a good team that was a uh, yeah i picked a good partner
1: yeah no you guys were dominant in the co-ed scene but i just remember playing for me it was a cool moment because we're near the same age but you're like mm-hmm. incredibly talented as a as an athlete way better than me but i remember being in the uh, in the finals against you guys and i remember this look in your eye like like we're gonna win it was like that look like i got Mm. this you know and it was like this confidence and um you know i I actually played against you too uh, another time in um it was a hermosa it was a hermosa uh what was it? The Cuervo, I think it was. You you and Matt Prosser against me and Matt Helling. Do you remember that one?
0: I re- I remember that one, yeah. yeah.
1: That was a that was a gnarly
0: game. It was like really tight, right?
1: Yeah, we went 3 and that was big for <laughs> me cuz I was like, all right, got a game off him, you know. You ended up winning the match, but uh, again, same thing I could tell from you, you have this like this even-keeled approach to uh just staying calm in the pocket, just and again, going back to what I said before, just, just being yourself, could you kind of tie all those things into that champion being mindset that we're talking about?
0: Yeah, um, I've actually, I haven't thought about it that much, but I have heard that before. I know my parents would say the same thing, like playing soccer as a kid, you know, I'd be goofy with the rest of the kids, but then there'd be maybe a certain time where I would just kind of get to another level or like the focus would kick in. And um, yeah, I think I've, I felt that playing uh, on the AVP too for me, it's I'm i've you've seen Avengers, right? Yeah, okay. you know how the Hulk is like my secret is I'm always always angry. Okay? I feel like I feel like <laughs> I'm always nervous and so I'm just used to it by now. So you know in those in those matches, I'm just like I don't feel like I have uh, I don't feel like I come in with this so much confidence that I'm gonna beat you or that kind of thing. But as the game progresses and you settle down, um, you know, then it's just become At a certain point. It becomes volleyball and it's not like, oh, I'm in this, you know, a final or, or, oh, I'm in this AVP or it has this other gravitas to it. It's just eventually you're just playing volleyball. And I think that's when I settled in and just really get present with, Hey, we're just competing. This is the same as if I'm playing co-ed as if I'm playing on the AVP, um, And then it becomes fun and you're really present and you're just playing volleyball i think that's the time where maybe the pressure comes off and what confidence i have comes back and um yeah just trying to just focus on winning
1: man i love that i you know i was always impressed how even-keeled you were and you just never really overreacted and just so like emotionally stable um i actually wanted to jump into that emotional management stuff like Where, where does that come from and how do you sustain that? And, and, you know, if you can provide any tips or tools for people uh, out there who might be listening, who, who need help with that emotional management.
0: Sure. I'm, I'm sure a big part of it is personality, right? Mm -hmm. Like if, uh, if I was Casey Patterson, I'm sure it'd be a lot different. Um, but you know, this is just who I am. So I'm sure a big part of it is personality, but I will say that. I mean, emotional management is a skill that you for sure can develop And for me, um, being consistent, uh, was a value that I had that I've seen, you know, the players I emulated were like that, um, and they weren't super hot and cold. And so I saw it as a, something to strive for. And so I think both personality and like a skill to work on, that's the kind of player I wanted to to be, um, I would say maybe some things that help are really focusing on what you can control and. You know there are so many elements especially on the beach when they have you know obviously the heat and the wind and a lot of other factors that go into it that are just so outside your control and if you get caught up in the emotions of that that's such wasted energy because one both sides of the court have to deal with it um but then two it just it doesn't help you and so it's just really focusing on what you can control what really matters and Another thing is I would say, uh, in beach volleyball, it's you and a partner. And so it's a very small squad you have to really focus on. And so anything outside of that zone, outside of the court, outside of connecting with my partner is kind of irrelevant, right? The crowd, um, you know, the tournament, all that kind of stuff. And so you could be getting heckled. You could be having all kinds of triggers that might want to spark emotion. Um, but again, it's just like, how is that serving you? And, you know, some players get really like feed off of that. Uh, for me, it's always been just like, focus on my task, focus on my partner. Like uh, we're in this together. Let's just grind and not so much the highs and lows of uh, all those external things outside of my control.
1: Yeah. I love that. It reminds me of like just staying unconditional, right. Where the conditions Mm -hmm. don't really matter. You're just doing yourself, you know, you're just being, being yourself. Um, I love that. And can you talk a little bit about self-talk? I know uh, on your podcast, um, Coach Your Brain's Out, you guys you guys talk to so many people, so many incredible people that value really good self-talk, right? Um, how does that help you on the court? And what have you learned about self-talk over the years?
0: Yeah, um, something I've learned about self-talk and just the whole idea of like mindfulness and emotions and stuff is that uh, they're really hard to control. Um, we have a sports psych we work with at USA Volleyball. It says like, you know, your, the brain is a thought and feeling, you know, factory. It just, it just produces them whether you want to or not. And actually this pandemic um, we did without volleyball, I kind of jumped in with him and did a lot more um, uh, mindfulness training is, is what he does it and a lot of group mindfulness. Um, but the could idea you, is I thought, yeah, go ahead. Yeah.
1: Sorry to interrupt. Could you, could you like go into mindfulness training? Cause I, I yeah. Dr. Mike Gervais uh, talked to talked to me about that a little bit, but I'd love to hear more from you. Yeah,
0: I don't have a huge background with, with meditation and that stuff. I thought, you know, you sit on the floor by yourself quietly for 10 minutes and you were off somehow going to be better at volleyball. <laughs> um, but, uh, that wasn't my experience. And this is, so he runs, his name's Peter Haberl and he does a bunch of sports through uh, the U S Olympic committee. Um, and it was group mindfulness. So he would have athletes, um, from wrestling and swimming and, for, you know, for whatever beach volleyball. Although I think I was the only one that ever did it, um, <laughs> get together and it's a group. So mindfulness is just like awareness of what you're thinking and feeling. Okay. And we do group mindfulness sessions, which is for me way better than just like quiet meditation. So like if you and I were doing it together, there's like, you know, we did a hundred like tons of different practices. So they're all different, but a lot of them were social noting. So you note out loud. You're still like breathing and closing your eyes, but you know, whatever the prompt is, you're noting stuff out loud and it just really helped me to the idea of like, uh, just when you're constant, you have something to concentrate on because you're just really, you have to like, let's say if you're just like naming whatever f- thoughts or feelings you're having at that moment, um, but naming it out loud and even hearing you name it, it just really brings you back to the present and your mind doesn't wander as much. And then it's, it's interesting. Like if we are sitting here naming, you know, uh, nervousness, anxiety, excitement, like whatever that comes to you I, on your turn, um, the, f- Thoughts and feelings change like so rapidly. So like one second you're nervous or you're like anticipating something the next minute you're grateful, you know? And so just how that transfers to me to volleyball is, um, whatever thoughts and feelings you have, if they're negative or whatever, they're fleeting, right. They, they don't stay like there's not a, a match as a, a lot happens in a match. It's not like you're anxious for the, for 45 minutes of a match. You know, you have times where you're joyful you have times you're this all that stuff kind of comes and goes and so for me just um knowing that if i have this sense of you know if we tie back to self-talk um i can't control my initial outburst of what comes in my head so i might look even keel but if i make a mistake i'm like in my head yelling at myself um and for me like i thought i'd be able to just oh once i do this i'll be bulletproof i'll be perfect you know and everything will be my self-talk will be great and i'll be such a nice guy to myself um but for what I learned is that that initial outburst is an emotion is kind of a little bit out of my control. It's just going to come, but then where do I go from there is under my control. So I get blocked by Aaron Wexler and I'm kicking myself and that's my first reaction, but I don't have to stay in that, that thing. My ne- my next self talk could be like, okay, let's focus on the next task at hand. Um, let's go from there. And before, if I had those negative thoughts or lack of confidence, I'd be like, Oh, I'm doing Like I'm not, not mentally strong because I'm happy, but what I've learned is that, uh, those kinds of things, at least for me are pretty inevitable and it's more important, the actions you take and where do you go from there? So, um, just to give you an example on the self-talk, I would say it's a lot easier if you're filling your head with like positive things and it's a lot, um, easier, it, it makes less room for negative thoughts to come in. Right. Cause you're already just thinking like, oh, I got this. Let's be aggressive. I'm going after this ball. Um, it just, you know, doesn't permit any room for, for negative thoughts. But the one thing that I've probably, uh, stress the most is we have a, a mindfulness practice called just sitting. And it's super simple. All you're doing is noting just sitting. And you just kind of say that over and over, uh, when you feel moved. Um, and sometimes it could be aspirational, like, Hey, my mind's wandering. So I'm just reminding myself, Hey, just sitting. That's like all you have to do right now. And other times it's just noting like awareness. This is what I'm doing right now, just sitting. And how I transfer that to volleyball and self-talk is it's become my, the mantra is just playing. And so whenever I feel nervous, whenever I feel um, tension, I just have that self-talk, just playing, just playing. And it kind of brings me back to like, you know, just focusing on the next thing. All I do is pass the ball and play volleyball. Don't worry about how much money I'm going to lose on this trip to Germany or uh, how embarrassing it's going to be. And Wexler blocks me again. It's just, Hey, just playing. So that would, that'd be like the practical self-talk tool that I've I incorporated now.
1: Man, I love that. I really, I really love that because that's really training the subconscious, right? As you, as you're going through your, your skill sets and you're just training your subconscious to just stay in the moment, just play just play. I love that a lot. Yeah. That's really good. Do you use affirmations at all? Like do you listen to affirmations? Um not as much as I should probably. Um I think
0: uh yeah, I'm not like, what would be example like I got like, this. I'm a winner.
1: Yeah, stuff like that. I mean, I really like affirmations like just mm. typing in positive affirmations on YouTube or or um, you know, like there's, there's a lot of money things on there, but like, mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I like listening to that stuff constantly. So it just kind of gets in my head. It just makes me feel more calm and happy. Um, yeah, yeah. I would
0: say, uh, like I said, I think if you're filling your head with that, you're leaving a little less room for negative stuff and that can only right. help you. Uh, for me personally, I think during the game, I'm thinking a lot more specific to my tasks. So maybe it's, um, you know, see the server. If I'm going to back to pass, I think the idea is just like to be present is to anchor your attention to something. And if it's like service Eve, and all of a sudden, I'm just like, you know, see the ball or see the server, like getting ready to pass, just really be, a, you know, have my attention focused on that my next job. Um, that's what helps me the most in in crunch time.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I hear that. I think that's a really good segue to flow. You know, I've been asking most of my guests about the idea of flow and and you know what you're talking about here—this mindful, this mindful self-talk, this mindful kind of way of playing, just play—that's kind of almost getting to the flow. Um, I wonder—I'm wondering for you, can you identify when you're in the game, in the flow, or in the zone?
0: Yeah, I would say I've played so many matches, and I can think of a handful where I, I felt like full—you know—in the flow state. I'm sure there's times where you know you're, you're playing well and you're just lost in it, but the times that stand out, I guess would be when it, um, it's prolonged. Right. So like there's, you know, there's moments in every game. I'm sure where you're making good plays and you're not worried about the score and you're fully present, but the times where it extends, um, especially in volleyball, where you have so many interruptions and like in between points, um, you have time to stop and think, um, it'd be harder to kind of make, for, to be in flow. Or if you're like writing or, or doing something where you're kind of just a totally lost in the, in the thing. I think I could see that l- lasting longer, but I do have a few matches. Um, I played in probably the best match I've ever played, uh, was in San Francisco. Uh, I don't know what the year was maybe 2017, um, Stafford and I were in the final, uh, we lost in the Kibben's, uh, Ma- sorry, Madison McKibben, Ty Loomis, but in the semi, we played Reed pretty and Ricardo and Stafford, uh, strained his ab in the second game we'd won the first and the second game he got hurt and we we lost that game and then the third game he was like half jumping we ended up split blocking it was just really bad i think we were down uh we we're down bag i know at, at the end it was like 14 to nine or something uh back when they did the free score mm-hmm. uh, but it like that like from then on we ended up coming back and winning the match and I was hitting on two, which is something I like never do. we were blocking. I never block. I was jump serving. I like, kind of just doing everything I could. And it was the, like, after the game, like during the game, I would say that's like the most I felt in flow where the score didn't matter. Cause we were we had nothing to lose. Like we we're going to lose the match anyways. And I was just so concerned on like, what do I, what do I have to do to win this next point? What do I have to do to win? And. I remember like even watching it, I wasn't celebrating because we were making good plays. It was just like on to the next job, right? I would go to the next and be ready to block. I would just like everything else was, I I had no idea what the score was because I felt like insurmountable. It was just like, how can I win this next point? And that's what I felt like the most lost in a game. And I remember when the game ended, I was like shaking still. Like when I was like hugging my wife and going back to the player's tent and this feeling of like. Um, yeah, just playing at a level that I hadn't, you know, maybe played before for, for that long of a time. Um, and I think it, it, for me, flow just comes with being present and anything that robs your attention away from the present, whether that's, um, you know, expectations, the crowd, um, worry thoughts about winning, like it could be good things too, right? Like you're like, Hey, we're about to win this tournament. Like, I think that just takes you out of that present moment. And that takes you away from flow. Um, and how you play your best.
1: Mm, Wow. Um, can you practice being in the flow or does it just kind of come?
0: Um, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if it's one of those things where if you, the, the harder you grasp for it, the less you can reach it. But I would say, I mean like flow specifically, but I would say that you can practice being present for sure. Right. And I think that that's maybe, you know, what leads to it. Um, and I, you know, I've, I think in, in games, you have those moments where like, it's the end of the game and you're like, shoot, if we, if we know all you do is sit out here and we'll win. And then. Everybody will love me and I'll be so good and stuff like that. And you just got to like squash those feelings and be like, no, 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 don't get ahead of yourself. Like go back to the moment. I think if you can, that's something you can actually practice and practice a lot. So much of practice, we're focused on technique and getting better at certain skills, but I think just as much time should be contributed, if not more, especially leading up to tournaments of just being in that we call like the trusting mindset rather than the training mindset where you're like going through the mental stuff of what you're going to be doing in a game. And in the, like the training mindset, you're like developing new skills, right? And trying new things and letting skills in. And the trusting mindset is you're letting skills out and you're actually just like playing with what you have. And so during practice, if you, if I find myself want, worried about technique or form, it's like, hey, that's not the time for this. That was the beginning of practice. Now it's just like, you know, how do I win this point? How do I stay present? And just really, um, yeah, focus on keeping your mind in that competing mode. And I think that'll help transfer to tournaments, because if you're always just training like practices, practice, all of a sudden you have to turn it on in games. But if you're really practicing that, um, that trusting mindset during practice, then you've been preparing the right way.
1: And I love that. Uh, I think um, <clears throat> I think that trusting mindset is a huge part of champion mindset. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I think that's just something that not a lot of people have, but uh, a lot of champions kind of innately have that. Um, but I totally think it's something that you can develop. Right. Would you agree?
0: Oh, oh for sure. I, 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 think you get better at what you spend your time doing. And yeah, if you spend your time, um, you know, if you want to call the championship mindset in practice, like that's how you develop it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for me, again, it's not like, I don't want to be in the Manhattan, had an open final worried about my platform, right. <laughs> you know, right. I want to be, uh, yeah, just trusting that I, that I have the skills and just to let them out and be an athlete and play my best
1: I love it um Billy I want to train, uh, transition to talk about your podcast uh coach your brains out and you know a, a big part of your podcast has well your podcast you with uh John Mayer and Nils and um Andrew Fuller right Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so you, you guys have really inspired me um when it comes to my podcast um I was hoping you could just kind of talk about anything that comes to mind when it when it comes to like learning lessons that you may have but you can may have maybe grasp in from your from your memory right now like and and before you answer you know anyone listening out there, you know, to do a podcast, number one, it's a lot of work, but number two, it, it like opens up your, your world of curiosity and imagination when you get to, when you get to talk to so many incredible people and you learn a lot. And I want to get into that right now. What lessons come up for you for the, the podcast?
0: Yeah, we've been doing, we've done so many. Um, I would say some of the things that people repeat that are, that are similar, that keep coming up, Um, we talked to a lot of coaches, um, but I think it translates to anything is culture, the importance of culture. Um, on the culture front, I mean, like a coaching volleyball. Sorry. Sorry,
1: Yeah. Cut out. Start, start that over again. Um, yeah, Yeah. just talk about the, the learning lessons maybe that you learned from the podcast.
0: Yeah, when we started a volleyball coaching podcast, I thought it would be a lot of like X's and O's and, hey, here's how you do a serving drill and stuff like that. But I would say some of the big refrains that almost everybody talks about would be culture and relationships. And I think that can be, you know, whether you're a coach or not, that could be applied to so many things. Um, on the culture side, it just seems like when you have every, when you're clear about your mission and you have everybody on board, it just becomes like such a more productive environment. And it, it seems like the coaches that have a really strong, clear picture of their culture. Um, it, I think just all of your decisions get easier, right from the macro level decisions on who do we hire to like, oh, how do we take care of our equipment? Like everything just becomes way easier when you have a, a strong culture that's defined and the players, the coaching staff, everybody's just really on board with that. And everybody's, you know, rowing in the same direction. Um, and I think, I mean, if the coaches we talked to too, it's not like it's a, a static thing, like, Oh, this is my culture. And then like, you know, let's go from there. It's, it changes every year. You're always growing and adapting. Um, but at the macro level, they're really clear on who they want to be and their, their team's values. And that kind of like leads the ship.
1: So cool, man. It's funny. Cause I, I wrote down three things that I learned from listening to your podcast and they were very close to what you said. For me, it was curiosity Mm-hmm. Increasing curiosity, right? Tools and relationships. So, mm-hmm. um, I, but I love what you said about culture because culture is everything, right? You like even even the culture that I'm setting up here on this podcast. It's it's uh, you know it's a culture of exploration and and curiosity, you know, and inspiration. Um, there's two podcast episodes from your podcast that stuck out to me, and I was wondering if you could maybe talk about those. The one that I really liked and I actually listened to twice was uh, the resiliency one with Trevor uh, Reagan. Mm-hmm. You remember that one? Yeah, man. Like that was so cool. It talks about learning and then like zooming framing and uh, maintaining growth mindset. Um, could you expand on any of that stuff?
0: Yeah. Um, and resiliency for me is like uh, one of my core values too. And not, not because like I'm good at it, but just because I think it's so important and um, you know, there's a couple of things that, um, working with our sports psych, Peter, it's like, Hey, you, it all comes back to your values and what's important to you. And that's, that's kind of what you rely on. And you look everything through that, look at everything through that lens. Like in this practice, am I living, am I being resilient? Right. And, or am I like, you know, whining or something, um, or, if, you know, how do we just had this loss? Like, am I, am I being resilient? Am I going back after it? Um, my thoughts on resiliency is. We had a, we also had a skater, um, Paul Rodriguez on and his line that stuck with me was, it's all about the bounce back mm. and just that idea. Like you're going to fail so much. I mean, unless you're, um, you know, Phil Dalhauser, you're not winning like every tournament <laughs> and, and obviously he, he isn't either. Um, so like so much of it is setbacks and frustrations and you lose partners and, you know, all these things happen, you get injured, but it's all about like just being resilient and going back after it and just continually to push forward. And again, I think the best players are the ones that just recover fast and they don't like, there were so many better players than me in college that went out to play beach. I think I just like outlasted them and stuck with it longer. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, no, I think, I think resilience is, is huge, especially like for younger players, um, when you don't have the consistency yet, like just keep getting out there, keep playing tournaments and keep improving.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. I, I mean, being resilient, I think goes back to champion mindset, right? Like you don't let anything derail you, you know, you're just you're focused on your path. I was hoping you could maybe get into a little bit more of the that idea of framing. I just really liked how Trevor talked about that. Because, you know, framing is everything specifically for champions, right? We just frame things that kind of help us. Right? Um, could you talk about that? yeah remind me i'm
0: not i don't remember that well framing uh,
1: yeah the way he was talking about it was like you know you just frame things that happen in your life um okay so let's say let's say uh you know someone cuts you off in traffic well Mm. you know maybe you know instead of getting pissed off well maybe that actually benefits you because Mm. you you know um you had to stop at this stoplight and then things shifted in your day. And, and, you know, maybe, I don't know, like I'm rambling a little bit, but like using a situation, yeah. Using a situation and framing it to a positive for your benefit.
0: Sure. Yeah. And I think it comes, if you read that book, the obstacle is the way. No, I haven't. Well, even just the title, like the obstacle is the way, like he just, you're framing this challenge this obstacle as the way through and to Mm. give you a, a picture of what that looks like. Um, let's say you have, um, you know, let's say there's a, a gap or a hole a hole in the road. And you also have this like giant boulder in front of you. And it's like, dude, I have all these obstacles, but then like, you know, if you get the boulder into the hole, that kind of like becomes the path across. Cause it like, you know, creates you a bridge. Go. Right. right. Um, but yeah, just the idea of like framing these challenges as actually opportunities to get better. And it can be something as small as, Hey, like we have. Um, I remember the USA national team was talking about this, that one of their code, like, um, keywords was adversity and embracing adversity. Right. And so like, because they're like, their showers didn't have any hot water at whatever tournament they're at or whatever their, their ride to the hotel was, you know, way longer than they thought. If they were just like saying adversity, adversity, this is going to make us stronger because we could, we could take that stuff. Um, cool for me, for me, I think, yeah, like there's there's always an opportunity and you don't know what's going to happen in the future. Right. So you get dumped by a partner and you can either frame that as like, Oh, I suck. He doesn't think I'm very good. Um, I don't have a partner now. I don't have any points. I'm like out of the main draw. Or you look at, Hey, like this is opening the door for my next partner. Like we're going to create something great. And this, I have right. a, fresh, a fresh start. And so, yeah, for sure. It's how you frame stuff. And I also think for me, um, gratitude becomes a key component to that. So we travel for the FIVB like all around the world. And when when you're in it, it's like you're so focused on all the little um, inconveniences, right? Like, oh, we have like a layover here. Like, oh, I'm stuck, you know, doing this. Um, but from the outside, you have to remember perspective wise and how you frame it. There are so many volleyball players that want to be doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And only a certain amount of players are able to, to travel. And right. so when you're complaining that you have to go all the way to China for a tournament, when there was like, like literally hundreds of volleyball, thousands of volleyball players that would love to pay money to go to China to play beach volleyball, um, it just becomes silly when you look at it like that. And you just really have to be grateful. And so for me, framing stuff um, that like, hey, like step back, what I'm doing is really cool and it is a gift. And whatever small inconvenience I find in the big picture is like just so trivial, and I should be grateful. I was in New York uh, for an ABP, and I got there like early. And I'm thinking like, oh man, like it's, New York hotels are so expensive and blah, blah, blah. And I went down to the site to practice um, like before the qualifier started. And the guys are still, the workers are still building the stadium and there's like dozens of people sweating in the sun, like setting up these viewing stands that people are gonna pay money to come like watch us play. And it just gave me so much perspective and just be grateful like how much work it goes in that I don't even know about to make what I do possible. And uh, yeah, I think that was just a way to frame it and just to be grateful
1: man that's so great to hear from you like going back to like my podcast and what i've been learning and 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 like a recurring theme is that gratitude right like people who live their versions of an inspired life you know whatever that may mean to them um that gratitude is like the number one thing man like if you just you just have that like just intrinsically it's just part of who you are i mean just things things open up and you can frame things however you want i feel like um yeah that's 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 great billy uh, there was another episode I wanted to mention, the Chopwood Carry Water episode mm. uh, with Joshua um, He The main message on that one was surrendering the outcome. And
0: mm-hmm. I think
1: that ties back into what we've been talking about, this champion mindset, the staying in the present. Yes, we want to win. You know, we're focused on winning, but at the same time, you know, we, we, we surrender to the outcome. Could you uh, expand on that a little?
0: Yeah, I would say the, the outcome, especially in sports, is out of your control. Right. Like I could, I could play my best and we just play a team that's better or a team that gets breaks or like what I mean. You can influence the outcome, but it's in the, at the end of the day, you can't control like, hey, I tried super hard. So we won the tournament. Like it's outside at your control. Um, what you can control is I would say two things uh, your process and your character. And I think the character kind of feeds into the process. Right. Like if as a person, like I value, um, grit and hard work, right? That's gonna affect my process. And I'm gonna like, you know, be practicing and training and lifting when I don't want to, when I'm sore, when I have, uh, you know, um, and I think uh, surrender the outcome, like, hey, like it's out of my hands. And I just dive into the process of preparing and getting better and growing. And it really frees you to compete at your best because Again, it's out of your hands. You've already surrendered the outcome. All you can do is just give it your all and be satisfied with that, and play without regrets.
1: Hmm. Man, I, I love that. I think that's champion mindset right there. I think that's the, all this stuff has been champion mindset. Um. Let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about writing. Um. Let's talk about your books. There's one of them right there. Uh, <laughs> coach your brains out. I'm going to hold this up right here because this is a great book. And before the show, we were talking about this this book as a, a really great tool for any, anyone in leadership, um, specifically coaching, coaching sports, but really it's a, it's a good tool for, for leadership. Could you talk a little bit about your process writing this book where, where the inspiration came from and, and, um, yeah, anything else that comes to mind?
0: Yeah. Well, it's nice to hear you say that because, uh, one of the books that John and I, um, look to a lot is called heads up baseball and it's not a volleyball book, right? But it's probably the best like sports specific book that I've read. Um, and so we wanted our book and our podcast to be the same way where, um, it, you know, maybe it uses volleyball as a metaphor and maybe some of the specifics are volleyball, but, um, it could be used and taken for, you know, for d- different things, parenting for sports, for all that stuff. Um, as far as how the book came out, we've been doing the podcast for a few years. And like you said, you just, you know, if you're just, you have this treasure trove of lessons that you've learned and you're like, Hey, we got to like for our own benefit, as well as for others, like write some of this stuff down. Mm -hmm. And we were on a, John and I were on a trip up to San Luis Obispo to visit my friend, Brady, our friend, Brady. And I kind of on the car ride over with Janelle, I wrote down like an outline and just basically like kind of how the chapters ended up coming like, Hey, we have an introduction then we talk about, uh, you know, mindset, um, you know, feedback, practice, competition, game, like all, all the like things that ended up being the chapters. And then I said, Hey, John, this is the outline. Would you want to like, you know, dive into this and do, do a book. And I assigned, he was like all fired up, like, let's do it. And I'd already written one uh, fiction book. So I kind of knew how the process worked as far as um, formatting and publishing and self-publishing and that stuff, getting a cover design. Um, and basically I gave John all the hard chapters and I wrote all the easy chapters <laughs> and, then, and then, uh, we just had a Google doc where we kept like giving notes and swapping back and forth and like, I'd rework his stuff and he'd change all my mistakes and, and stuff like
1: that. Oh, it's awesome. My, my main takeaways and, and shout out to John Mayer. I, I just recently had him on the podcast as well. Um, my main takeaways from the book, I love how you talk about, you know, identifying coaching philosophy. I love mm-hmm. how you talk about teaching in keys. That's what I do. I, I come up with keywords. Uh, but those keys are so, so important, I feel like for learning and then leadership, you know, and, and then I love how you say giving rather than taking control. Could you talk about that for a second for any coaches listening? I feel like a lot of coaches love that control, right? This is my Mm. program. This is my team. This is what's, you know, I used to be kind of like that as a coach, but I love the giving as opposed to that taking control. Talk about that for a second.
0: As a coach, I think it's hard to remember sometimes that it's not all about you, right? Right. Like you're making so many decisions and so much falls on you as far as responsibility, but really it's you know, it depends on the level, I'm sure a little bit, but it's about the players and their experience and them getting better and stuff like that. And what we've learned is, you know, just like you said, talking about relationships too, is that when players are involved in their growth and they have autonomy over certain things, like as humans, we crave autonomy when they're involved, like they are willing to do so much more, um, cause it's not like you as this general dictating, to your pawns hey do this do this um you're saying like, hey like let's get better like how do you think we can get better what do you need to work on today how can we like you know achieve this and you get them on the same page it just goes a long way and you know that could be subtle right it doesn't have to be like if sometimes when you hear that you think oh i have to as a coach i have to let this like 12 year old girl decide our practice like no <laughs> but you can maybe give them options right and you could say hey you guys want to do queen of the court at this point, or you want to go back to like this wash drill? I mean, little things like that, when they get invested in it and get, they feel like they have some choices, um, goes a long way into them buying into the program. Um, yeah. and then I would say at, you know, at the pro level, like John Mayer's probably a few months younger than me and he's my coach. And so it's an interesting dynamic, right. To be, um, cause we're more like peers than it is this like, um, figure that's like ahead of me that I'm like, you know, whatever. Um, but so. Collaborative, right and it's like hey this is what i see what do you guys see and it's like a back and forth and it feels like um yeah just we're working together rather than i'm like he's my boss
1: yeah no i, I like that a lot um and i really like the idea of asking questions to players too mm. you know like what do you think about this or what w- what would you like to do i think that really sparks the the curiosity and the and the leadership in them in them right um yeah i, I just think good leaders create other good leaders.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And as far as the asking questions, like we remember way better when we actually have to think about it and give an answer and like analyze like, Oh, what did I do on that play? Rather than just be told like, Hey, bend your knees.
1: Right. 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 Um, well, yeah, just one more time on that podcast. It's called coach your brains out. And, uh, the book is called coach your brains out as well. And then I also wanted to mention, uh, to your two other writing pieces, uh, good blood and dark blood once you talk about those for a second
0: yeah um so a passion of mine has always been storytelling um grew up i had a comic book company i ran with my brothers and a cousin and then uh, in college actually i made a a feature-length action movie with the northridge men's volleyball team and a couple other sports uh teams and um after after college i did a, a was part of a site called Kinda Kinda Good, where we made Danny Kinda of videos. That's right. Um, so I've always uh, been involved creatively and in that kind of stuff. And then uh, books are just way better because it's all up to you. I don't need to like bug my friends into showing up on set and or doing stuff, right? I can just sit in my room and and write myself. Um, so, anyways, I yeah, I wrote two fiction books. Um, the second one, dark blood just came out this past December and they're fantasy adventures. They have nothing to do with volleyball. Well, there's some motor learning stuff in there, but, uh, it's, you know, it's hidden behind a bunch of swords and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's, they're fun. And if you, you know, want a good story, uh, I'd recommend checking them out.
1: Yeah, that's so cool. How can we find those books? Are they on Amazon or?
0: Yeah, they're on Amazon. Um, that's the easiest way to get them to search Billy Allen or Good but Dark I have a website called billycatchallen.com that has, I guess, more information too.
1: Cool. I'll link all that stuff on this. Um in terms of writing, Billy, like could you give any tips to anyone out there, including myself, who's a aspiring author, but maybe are, is struggling with the writing process? Because man, I'll tell you, you know, I, I give it up for writers and authors. This is not an easy process, you know.
0: I would just say uh know that it's not easy for anybody, right? Um, so it's not like you've the guy's written 10 books and all of a sudden he just like sits down and like crushes it, right? Um, yeah, it's a struggle for everybody and you just keep revising and keep working on it. Um, you know, I'd say some things that might help is your, you know, your first draft doesn't have to be perfect. And so maybe just free yourself up and lower the standards and allow yourself to write bad at first, because there's going to be, you know, some good nuggets in there that come out. And what's nice about it, especially if you don't have deadlines is, um, it's, it's almost like playing a volleyball tournament where you pick the date you can practice as long as you want kind of thing. Um, Eventually you're gonna have to play the tournament, but, um, you can keep revising and working and I think if you just like plug away, uh, that's how it gets better. And it's, it's really inspiring to be like, hey, I worked on this, you know, an hour, a morning, and all of a sudden, at the end of the year, I have this, you know, 450 page book that I've done a couple of drafts of and it just, it adds up. You're just, you know, pounding at the stone and eventually it cracks.
1: Yeah yeah that's that's great um last couple questions i have for you billy uh just talk a little bit about um legacy and fulfillment you know part of you know writing a book is that you'll always you'll always have this right like that that's i always i always admired that with writers and and even actors you know people in the recording arts to leave this legacy and in sports you know it's um i just feel like it's a little bit challenging i mean if, if you win it's great hey you got you got trophies you got banners you know you got championships but it's tough, you know, when you, you know, to, to leave a legacy um and and to create fulfillment in your life when you don't win all the time. <laughs> you know, could you talk a little bit about fulfillment and legacy for yourself?
0: Yeah, I would say there's a good and a scary and exciting thing about like writing a book and the legacy it leaves. One is you're forever locked into what you said <laughs> like, <laughs> like right and so especially like a, a nonfiction book like you're writing or like coach your brains out it's like i'm sure we got stuff wrong i'm sure stuff changes i'm sure if we wrote the book five years later we would have been like ah you know i would have like added this um and so as far as that like some of it's scary but at some point um you know you just have to do the best you can at the t- at the moment um though is that it can it's through the book um like we've touched so many more people than i ever would have thought uh, we get you know we get emails especially john because he's more plugged into the coaching world um we get emails from coaches that have read the book or that love it or that learn one thing from the podcast um all the time and it's just really inspiring that the work you're doing isn't in this vacuum but it's escaping out and leaking into the wider world and maybe you know, making somebody or some team somewhere just that much better. And that's, that's really cool.
1: Yeah, no, that's really cool. Billy. Wow. This was a, this was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm so glad we got to do this uh, kind of a cool full circle moment too. Um, for, for me, you know, just growing up kind of watching you play and playing against you and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Santa Monica pier stuff and <laughs> matzo ball stuff. Um, uh, but I just really appreciate you coming on and, and spending some time and, uh, sharing some of your mindset, uh, with me and my audience. Thank you very much.
0: No, Aaron, thanks for what you do. It's really cool that, um, yeah, we're both pursuing the similar, um, things with the podcast and the book writing and best of luck with the book. And yeah, I hope you get your, your message out and I hope you just yeah, keep getting better and inspiring people.
1: Cool, man. Thank you so much. Before we sign off, just tell people how they can find you and, and again, where they can get books and podcasts and all that stuff.
0: Yeah. I have a website again called Billy catch Allen. It's my middle name. It's K E T C H. Um, and then that's my That's my tag for Instagram and stuff like that. Um, I don't post a lot on Instagram and Twitter, but you can reach out for sure. Um, and then, yeah, Check out a book on Amazon if you're interested in the fantasy stuff, or for sure, coach your brains out. That sells way more copies than my um, my fantasy <laughs> stuff. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear from you, and if you're ever out at an AVP event, come say hi.
1: Awesome, Billy Allen, you're the man. Appreciate you, bro. Let's uh, let's do a part two sometime too.
0: Cool. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, bro. See ya.
1: Bye. This episode is brought to you by DAF Global. If you're looking to start a podcast or you have a podcast and you're looking for editing services, hit up my guys Oliver and Garrett at DAF Global. They're awesome. They help me with this podcast and they take care of all kinds of different services like editing and audio enhancement. And they're great to work with. They're also offering a 10% discount to all within the game listeners. So hit my guys up at DAF Global on Instagram and also on their website, www.dafglobal.com dot co dot uk.